Tuesday, June 9th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga. We'll be joined by our tribe beat writer, Paul Hoynes, here in a second. I uh, just want to first remind anybody who's listening, if you get a chance to sign up for our Indian subtext, go ahead and do that. Uh, Cleveland.com slash subtext. Navigate to the, uh, the tribe link and join there. You can get updates through uh, via text message and have conversations with Paul and myself. Uh, Indian subtext is a great way for $3.99 a month to, uh, to keep up on the Indians as we get closer to the possibility of a baseball season. I'll bring in Paul here now. Paul, uh, the latest proposal from the league yesterday, 76 games at 75% of uh, pay uh, prorated. Uh, the, the union doesn't seem too keen on that idea. No, they do not, Joe. And uh, that's, that shouldn't be surprising. But, uh, you know, the fact that they're talking again, I think, maybe is, is a good sign. Uh, you know, and the clock is ticking here. I mean, if these guys don't want to play like a 45-game season, a Cactus League-type season, you know, they're, they're going to have to uh, you know, kind of get on the stick here and, and, and make a deal here. And uh, you've still got all the health protocols to go through. But, you know, I think they can do that. But salary – as usual, is is the um, is the sticking point, and you know they really know that neither side has moved off the dime too much here. Right, and uh, Major League Baseball sort of floated out the idea that that there's a Wednesday deadline on this offer. That this uh, 76 games uh, starting the the second week of July, there July 10th, is this this offer is good for you know probably the next 48 hours, and that's about it. Uh, after that, the the games, the number of games goes down again because the owners are bound and determined to have the playoffs wrapped up by the beginning of November. Yeah, they don't want to run the risk of a uh, another spike by the coronavirus, and and that's where the money is, as we've said before. You know, between like eight hundred million and a billion buck dollars of revenue uh, for for the owners, and I think they've. The last proposal said they'd share some of that, maybe two hundred million of that, with with the players. Um, so, you know, I I just Joe, when I think about this, and you know, these team, you know, there's there's thirty teams in the big leagues, and they're talking about the last proposal was to let what sixteen teams into the postseason, eight <laughs> from each league. Yeah. You know, if you only play seventy six games, think all the you're going to have to have a massive set of tiebreakers in there, aren't you? I mean, there's going to be teams and close calls all over the place. It, and if you only play a 50-game season or a 48 to 50-game season and you have that many teams making the postseason, that's going to be a madness. Right. Uh, you know, we thought when they expanded to the, the extra wildcard games right, with, with the, the two wildcard uh, team format, it, it really did keep teams competitive longer. This is going to keep teams competitive from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I hate to be the guy trying to figure this all out. I mean, you know, going down to the last game of whatever the season is and there's 20 teams still in contention. <laughs> Jeez, the, it's going the, to be crazy. The tiebreakers are, are – you, you would have a magic number probably about uh, 20 games into a season, wouldn't you? Just Right, yeah. yeah that's just, right. You'd have to you'd put be doing it, all that – doing all that calculation. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a possibility. And again, uh, now we're starting to see a 
a lot more of the why can't they just play baseball? All these tweets and all these comments from from fans and pundits and 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 everybody really out there. Uh, baseball is doing irreparable harm to itself by not getting it together and getting out there. Uh, this is beyond, you know, just what the coronavirus has done and anything like that. This is to the point where you're you're doing the same thing that you did back in '94. Yeah, and you know every every labor negotiation and every you know labor labor dispute these two sides have had. They you know people always say they're endangering the sport, and but it's never been with a backdrop like we have right now. And uh, you know unemployment, the coronavirus, uh, protests across the the, the uh, country about police violence. It's 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 never been like this, and baseball's always looks bad in these situations, but they've, it's never looked as bad as it, as they do right now. And, you know, you just, you, you just, it's like watching a train wreck every day, you know, it's just, hopefully they'll be able to get something worked out. But, you know, the, the good thing is baseball has always endured. And I think it always will, will endure despite the people that are running it. Right. I mean, it, it got baseball got through the the PED scandals in the in the 90s. It got through, you know, all these other issues. It, it's come back time and time again. I, there's no reason to believe that it won't be able to heal itself. It's just going to take uh, a, a long time to do so if, if they can get beyond this. You know, it's it's just an ugly, frustrating situation, especially for for those of us who who are so, you know, close to the game and so in tune with everything that goes on with it. It's, we've been waiting for so long to get started and, and there's nothing to get started with yet. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, if, it, if, if baseball can come back after world war two, I guess <laughs> you could, you could survive this, but you know, it, I think every, every time stuff like this happens, you know, the, you, 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 you hurt your fan base and a little more, you know, a, a chip, it chips away at your fan base right now, the fan base in baseball, what the average age is, what, 57. Is that what they say? Wow. I mean, you're, you're, you know, young kids are, you know, don't even really, probably don't even know there's a work stoppage going on here or not a work stoppage, but a, a, a dispute, a, you know, a contractual dispute that maybe they don't even know baseball. <laughs> they think the game is still being played. The season is still going on. So it's, you know, they just, uh, it just, they do just damage to themselves. They keep, and and it's, you know, it just seems like so avoidable. You know? All right. Well, one way that the uh, the league is going to try and generate some sort of positive feeling or, or momentum right now this week is by conducting the, the first year player draft, which is going to start at 7 p.m., I, I believe, uh, tomorrow night. We host it on ESPN and on Major League Baseball Network. The Indians have a first-round pick, I believe, number 23 overall, and a compensatory pick, number 36 overall. Uh, those will be made on the first night of the draft, and then they have four more picks uh, the following night on, on Thursday. So, uh, you know, we talked to Scott Barnsby last week, the amateur scouting director. Uh, of course, we didn't get much of an indication where the Indians are leaning or, or what they're they're planning on doing, but you know, this is maybe an opportunity to, to generate some sort of positive feeling about the game of baseball, even if games aren't being played and, and there is a labor, uh, you know, a, 
a question about you know uh, negotiations going on right now uh, as far as what they can do positively on Wednesday night what what do you see for the Indians and for what uh, what baseball can do yeah I mean uh, you know obviously it's a uh, shortened draft you know another thing that's been uh, you know kind of affected by the negotiations and the coronavirus Um, it's gone from 40 to five rounds the Indians, like you said, Joe, have the 23rd uh, pick in the first round. You know, there's been some talk about uh, Dylan Dingler, a catcher from Ohio State. Some of the mock drafts have uh, talked to, talked about the Indians possibly taking him if he's available. He's a kid from uh, North Canton. Uh, so, uh, you know, 6'3", 222 pounds, you know, big kid, uh, showed some power. Yeah, they, I think they only played like – maybe 13, 16 games this year before the, you know, the, the seasons were, were halted because of the virus. But, he, you know, he kind of showed some power this year. So, you know, that, that's a kid to keep an eye on. And there's a couple some – college, some college pitchers that they've been linked with. Garrett Crochet from uh, the University of Tennessee, a, a 6'5 left-hander. Uh, T- uh, Tanner Burns, a right-hander from Auburn. And uh, there's a high school kid out of Texas, uh, Jared Kelly, um, hard thrower. That um, maybe those, those uh, if those players are available, the Indians might take a shot at that. If I had to hedge my bets, I'd say the high school right-hander uh, who, who throws hard. I think uh, that might be the one. Jared Kelly might be the one that they that they pick, just because they've they've picked a lot of high school kids uh, in in the last four or five years, like you you, you noted on this podcast. Previously, I think five out of the last seven have been high school kids. Right, right. So, yeah. So, and, right. and uh, I don't know. I mean, do they do they change philosophy, or you know, do you want the you want those uh, you want do you want to take a a college pitcher that maybe gets to the big leagues faster, or do you want to develop a guy like uh, uh, who was a the kid they took uh, with the second round pick last year? Uh, the the uh, oh, pitcher, no. right? No. Uh, oh, it's been, no. Uh, what two years ago? Oh, Spino? Ethan Hank- Ethan Hankins was the one. Yeah, the yeah. Injury history, but uh, he kind of slipped, and they took him early. Right. And Espino too. Yeah. All right. Two high school pitchers. So. Well, playing off of that, let's uh, let's jump into. I, I I put together a little uh, a little quiz here. Uh, name that Indians number two overall pick. These are all Indians picks from the first round with the number two overall selection. So I'll give you the description, and you give me the name. Uh, who the uh, who the guy was? You ready, Hoinsey? I'm ready. Here we go. This infielder was born in 1969 in Hamilton, Ohio. Was the number two overall pick in his draft class. His career, he appeared in 902 games for the Indians, Reds, Tigers, Giants, and Phillies. He has 48 career home runs, uh, 306 career RBIs, and a batting average of 263. Uh, he made his debut with the Indians in 1991. Named that Indians number two pick. Mark Lewis. Mark Lewis. Very good. Mark Lewis in the starting lineup for the first game at, uh, at Jacobs Field. Wow. Right? Yeah, I remember talking to him in, in the press box at, at Old Cleveland Stadium when they first signed him, and the kid looked like he was 14 years old. I, <laughs> I swear to God, Joe, he had a baby face. And I said, really? This is, yeah, <laughs> this is your number one pick? He looked like he weighed like 140 pounds. But he turned out to be fair, a good, not, not a great first-round pick, but a good player, you know? He played mm-hmm. a long time, and, uh, you know, he, he, he was a versatile guy, and, and uh, 
he turned out to be okay. Well, Scott I think Boros was his agent. I'm pretty Scott sure Boros was, was it. it was, this was back. It was at around the time when Scott Boros turned into uh, the uh, the devil incarnate when it comes to <laughs> negotiating contracts. Yeah, but he was he was. Uh, but you know, he came out of that. that Cincinnati's got good uh, hotbed of uh, baseball, youth baseball. So, and that's where Mark right. came out of. Right. Well, you know that I, I always use that trivia um, question to to stump people uh, on that the Indians opening day lineup in '94. Because Randy Johnson was on the mound in the first game at uh, at Jacobs Field, uh, Jim Tomey didn't start that game. Lefty oh. left-handed hitter against a left-handed pitcher, so they started Mark Lewis at third base, and I think Candy Maldonado was the DH. So Candy Maldonado, yeah, it was uh, it was good. All right, here's the number two guy. Uh, this this next number two pick, this lefty, still the career leader in strikeouts for the Texas Longhorns, and was a three-time finalist for the Golden Spikes Award. Another number two overall pick by the Indians. He compiled 61 wins and 56 losses in seven seasons in Cleveland, striking out 777 batters. He had a 17-year career and won a ring with the Diamondbacks in 2001. Name that number two overall pick of the Indians. Greg Swindell. Greg Swindell. That, see, I told you you were going to get the last. The last two are, are, are easy. You had that one as soon as I said Texas. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. So. He's a big, big left-hander. I mean, he was really – he was a good pitcher. He, You know, I, I, they kind of they, – they wore him out in, at the University mm-hmm. of Texas, man. They they pitched him like – it seemed like they pitched him every day back-to-back. Back, you know, I think he, if there was – he may have pitched in, in two games uh, – the same day in a doubleheader. Wow. Yeah, I don't know so if he, he came was, on a relief once. But so he was their Friday night guy and their Saturday night guy and their yeah, Sunday yeah. guy? Yeah, he could do his. He, now I'm not. I'm not good at math. He could do his ERA in his head. He oh, knew wow. when, as soon as he walked off the mound, what how what his ERA was. All right, that that that's a little bit obsessive, I think, but uh, that's great. Yeah, he he reinvented himself later on in his career as a reliever too, and you know was was sort of effective. Had he not been derailed by by sort of elbow injuries early on in his 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 Indians career maybe maybe things would have been different but you know he was he was really their their only pitcher for a while there <laughs> as yeah, far was, as uh, okay number and, one guy and he uh I think he's he might be an announcer for the University of Texas now or he, I think he works with the you know with the university their their ball club I I think I've seen him on the Longhorn Network on uh on on cable tv so yeah that's that's probably true all right last one another number two overall pick by the tribe as a high school shortstop from upstate new york he eventually won a gold glove in center field and spent eight and a half years with the indians he won the good guy award from the bbwaa in 1980 and he was traded to milwaukee uh in in milwaukee he hit a 10th inning walk-off single to beat the indians in 1987 with paul molitor sitting on deck and Molitor was sitting on a 39-game hitting streak. And this guy actually got booed by the hometown fans for hitting a game-winning walk-off single. Name the Indians number two overall pick. I remember that game. It was Rick Manning. Rick Manning. Rick Manning was a shortstop? Archie was a shortstop? Yeah, he came up as a shortstop. Wow. Well, I guess guess he could play defense anywhere if he's good enough to win a gold glove in center field. But – but yeah, that, that, what do you remember from that game when they when they booed him for hitting the, the tenth inning? I just remember it was I think it was off Mesa, wasn't it? Was it off, or no John? Who was it off? I think it was off Mesa. Mesa gave it up. 
in 87. And I just remember, but you know, yeah, I'm not in 87. It would have been. No, not in 87. I can't remember if it was. But uh, yeah, I just remember the, you know, uh, Molitor sitting there on deck with the 39 game hitting streak and, uh, and Manning wins it. And I, I just remember the crowd booing. It was, it was crazy. Well, uh, you know, I, it, he, he went on, of course, to, he's been uh, the Indians broadcast since like 1990, something like that. He's been either on the radio or in the, the TV booth with the Indians since then. So. So really, he's he's enjoyed a, a a pretty long career of of as a broadcaster. That second act for him has has been pretty pretty outstanding. Yeah, he's a very you know good guy, good announcer. He was one of the Dave uh, Garcia's dead end kids. Remember that that he was uh, with Dwayne Kuyper, and uh, they they had that little group of players on that team that uh, that Garcia really liked the manager. Well, and, uh, yeah, it, it's it's evident that you know not a lot of guys had more fun playing the game and playing here in Cleveland than than Rick Manning did. And he could go get it, man. He could yeah. go uh, play center field. He was a great center fielder. I saw him in uh, when he went over to Milwaukee at Old Tiger Stadium. He was playing left field. He ju- he jumped up on the fence and made a catch against the Indians. I think it was against the Indians uh, against at Tiger Stadium and just kind of like. I, you know, just like he was just really, he was really a good defensive player. All right. Well, hopefully the, uh, the Indians can, can find somebody uh, as, as effective as those three guys that, uh, you know, they can find in this draft and, and, and get a guy who can come in and, and make an impact at, at some point uh, in his career with the Indians as, as they try to stock up on young talent. Uh, as we look forward to the draft coming up on Wednesday night, uh, yeah, that's that's really about it. That's <laughs> nothing much else going on right now in baseball, unless we hear, uh, uh, you know, a, a breakthrough in the negotiations. We're we're sort of sitting tight and, and just waiting, and and the draft's got to get us through the end of this week. Yeah, I'm 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 interested to see how they um, after their first, they've got six picks in the first five rounds, and just how much money or how. How they manipulate it to see how many, you know, twenty thousand dollar players they can take because after the fifth round, you can you can draft as many players, but you can only draft them for twenty thousand dollars that you want. And I'm just uh, I'm going to be curious to see how that goes. And and they'll have until August first to sign those guys that are taken in the first five rounds. So yeah, and that's maybe a that later than usual, right? Right, and, then, and maybe that comes into play with how much bonus money you know is is moved around and allocated to those, and and how much of a, a surplus they can have to sort of you know set aside for those guys that they want to sign at the twenty thousand. You know, I you wonder if if Barnsby and the folks there in the front office are are gonna try and and go get those those twenty thousand dollar guys. Uh, right away on Sunday morning before they get snatched up by somebody else and then leave the, leave the shuffling to the, you know, for the funds, um, for the bonus pool off of that. I, I don't know. It's somebody's going to be, you know, maybe left holding the bag there in, in terms of one of the draft picks as far yeah. as, you know, not being able to, to pay him uh, as much of a bonus. And, and maybe they lose that guy back to the, to the, um, to college baseball. Yeah. And that's where, you know, the scouts come in and, 
you know, your signability. These they know they have they've got a pretty good idea who who they want to take and if the kid wants to play or if he's going to go back to school. So uh, you know, that's where you, your your scouting really uh, comes to the forefront. All right. Well, Paul, we will uh, keep an eye on the draft as we head in tomorrow, and we will uh, again just sort of. Stay in a holding pattern, waiting for a word from the league on what the next move is in negotiations. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe.